The Unintentional Porn Star, Season 3, Bigger Than Me. Here we go. Hello, everybody. I am here with Knox, my friend from Toronto. We used to dance together back in the day. Not like, oh my goodness. And like dance beside each other, dance with each other, like all these great things. Um, Knox is an amazing human being. Um, You can also find her as the cheesecake darling on Instagram. I'm going to look at my notes for how to spell her Instagram. It's K-K-N-O-X-H-A-R-T-E-R. T as in tart, E-R. Tart. I love that. That's great. Um. You are also an amazing burlesque dancer, a pinup uh, girl, a show girl, uh, an artist in general. I would consider you an activist. We kind of talked about that a bit earlier and I'm so happy to have you here. If there's anything I missed on, please feel free to introduce yourself, but here we are. I mean, that's pretty much it. I'm a, I'm a variable jack of all trades or Jill of all trades, I guess, as it is. I'm I'm multifaceted and multi-talented and the list is too long. I have, I, I always, I'm always reluctant to kind of brag about it because it, it is a lot. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope there's no lag here. I just heard a lag. Oh, well, we'll do our best. <clears throat> um, yeah. So just so everyone's aware, I wanted to talk to Knox today about femininity. Um, for me personally, I've been struggling, not struggling. I wouldn't say struggling anymore. I'd say I am working to integrate myself within who I am and sort of trying to navigate around society's definitions of feminism, masculine, um, femininity, femininity, masculinity, and like what that means to me. And Um, I've always known Knox to be a sort of activist in a sense and speaks up like when something isn't right or doesn't feel right or when something is sort of like questionable. We were talking earlier and Knox says like I ask questions. And so that is why I reached out to Knox today because as myself getting sort of exploited for my femininity and my sexuality as a woman, like I stemmed away from it. Um, I was told as a child that like I belonged in the kitchen, which now I'm awful in the kitchen. I obviously swung into the other side <laughs> for myself, <laughs> but like that's fine. That's another conversation. But um, yeah, I basically shunned away my feminine femininity because of these certain circumstances that happened. And um, in the last year and a half with like COVID and healing and all of these different things, like I've really zoned into my own version of femininity, grounding myself. Um, balancing out the masculine feminine. And now I'm here with Knox to sort of hear um, like your experience, um, Knox, about being like being a burlesque dancer, burlesque dancer, and like what you've noticed about like society or other dancers or other people in the world and how you're standing up for yourself and your version of, I don't know, womanhood or whatever, feminism. So yeah, so I think we're going to cover on this today. Um, is there anything that came up just from that little spiel and intro, Knox? Well, I think I want to start by saying that your experience is far more common than you even, I think, than you even grasp. Like, I, mm-hmm. uh, it, something over the past couple of years has made me realize what weird points of privilege I actually come from in having a very progressive upbringing and coming from a very feminist household (laughs) and uh, from having the experience right from my formative and fundamental years of just the autonomy to choose who I want to be and that any answer I presented was correct. And that meant I got to play and kind of amalgamate different aspects of masculine and feminine and, and concepts of what it was to be a girl or a woman and mm-hmm. what I was capable of. I, mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to grow up in a household that um, not only accepted that, but encouraged right. it and questioned with me to go, well, sure, but consider certain other aspects of it and see where it lands. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have observed in my experience presenting as I do, and behaving as I do, uh, regular kind of hiccups in in terms of this like, real low, almost inaudible underlying base of misogyny and mm-hmm. existence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I find actually the worst perpetrators in my existence haven't been the men, they've been the women. 
Mm-hmm. And this real kind of uh, ingrained, in-depth, uh, I, I don't know if it's the right word, but the only thing I can think of is self-loathing of who they are. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because of the structure they've grown up in, of being constantly criticized in contradictory ways, mm-hmm. and then having to do these weird adaptive practices mm-hmm. in order just to feel and say, and stay safe. And there's a lot to unpack in that. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's start. Like, <laughs> like, well, really, it's like if nothing is safe, where do you go? Exactly. You're not safe to be feminine. You're not safe to be masculine. Mm-hmm. You're not safe in one or the other. You're going to face criticism from all sides. Mm-hmm. Like, no wonder why there's so much inner conflict about your mm-hmm. identity. And mm-hmm. I also think that's why some of the discussion around gender is a binary and and uh, trans rights and talking about non-binary peoples and that gender is in fact a construct is a very important discussion to have because even I think cis women I think it's important to question what your even your definition of femininity is Absolutely. even if you identify as a woman well actually I'd love to talk about that I'm, I'm really happy this one here because I had it in my head that maybe we could touch on it is that like um, I had this conversation with a friend of mine and he's in the queer community and he I was talking about just this with him the other day And um, he was like, Rebecca, he's like, I'm really hearing you trying to label certain aspects of yourself as feminine and masculine. And I was like, oh, yes, absolutely. I am. I think because I'm trying to discover who I am. And, and I was like, shit, thanks for the, you know, thank you for that. Thank you for noticing that. And he said, what if you're just a good human? And I was like, I mean, that's what I'm preaching. That's what I've been trying to preach this whole time. And yet I'm sitting here trying to be like, I'm a woman. I have, and it's like, hold on a second. He was like, what if you just thought of yourself as like a rainbow of emotions? And like, today I want to, today I want to put on a toque and a fucking, you know, striped shirt tomorrow. I want to put on a fucking gown. Like, what do you want in this moment? That's all that matters. And like, it's a rainbow. And I was like, wow. I was like, thank you. So I'm curious um, with what we're talking about here for yourself, how do you feel about the gender um, like fluidity and like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I'm so curious. Well, I think any kind of labeling of a trait or a behavior as masculine or feminine is utter bullshit. Like, right. it's just yeah. it's the stupidest thing. Yeah. And again, as someone who is outspoken and I have strong opinions and I operate the way I do, mm-hmm. I've bumped up against it so many times in my right. existence. And a perfect example is that, like, I've, I've run my own company. I've, I've been the leader in a bunch of different projects and projects that I've run. And the number one thing I get criticized on is the fact that I'm too harsh or that I'm too aggressive. Mm. And these are all traits that are labeled as a masculine. So they don't fit, especially looking like right. this in Absolutely. terms of how I'm going to be perceived. Right. And the one thing that I find is regularly exploited in my experience is the demand of my softness and the demand of my vulnerability right. as a woman. Right. If I just did it softer, if I was just nicer, if I was right. just kinder, like, like that face right there. And yeah. I have <laughs> regularly bit that. I have regularly bit that. To these misogynists, men or women or yeah. non-binary, to going, what makes you think you've earned it? Right. Absolutely. If it's something, well, if it's something that I think I cherish and I value, and mm-hmm. it is valuable, and I do not shy away from my vulnerability, mm-hmm. but it is earned, mm-hmm. what makes you entitled to it? Mm-hmm. And that's usually the question that shuts them down. I'm like, you feel entitled to it because I'm a woman. You mm-hmm. would never ask a man this. Good. You would never ask a man this. You would never ask them to be softer. You would never ask them to be nicer. You tell them, you tell him that he was just doing his job and to suck it up. Right. What's stopping you from saying that in my situation? Right. Absolutely. Interesting. And so with the, with that, because I, I, I agree. And I feel similarly too, where it's like, I, I have been, I'm very sharp. Um, if, if there's something to be talked about, it's going to be talked about. We're going to, and it's not, it's not conflict, it's conversation. But when I'm passionate as an artist too, you learn to project, like it's there, like it's, it's, it's a conversation. And, and, and a lot of people take that and they're like, Whoa, like this is too much. And I talked to a friend of mine too, who's like, Rebecca, you're, you're you're being called certain things because you're a woman. Like if, and she has the same conversation, if a man was entering into a conversation, that would be totally fine. And they'd be drinking back, whatever, like having tea, who knows what they're doing. And like, so it's just interesting, but within that, because that to me is very, those conversations, those sort of like projections and labels 
are very polarizing. They're very like your woman, your man. And within your work line of work as well with like burlesque dancing and like enhancing your, 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 um, I was going to say beauty, but it's also, well, beauty's neither masculine or feminine, but like, you know, so it's also a caricature of femininity. I play within caricatures and stereotypes of femininity and I tend to turn them on their head. So a perfect example. And it's funny because it gave me the reputation for a couple of years of being very harsh in my everyday, which I'm not, I'm a big loser and I'm a goofball and I'm, (laughs) I I can be quite, I can be quite socially awkward where it's like, if you ever see me just standing and smiling, I have no idea what's going on. And I'm just (laughs) trying not to be an asshole. Like that's what's happening. But I created uh, in in a period earlier in my burlesque career, just because it was just where my artistry was going, I was just following a wave and an impulse, but I created a series of characters that were very harsh and and Mm. were very strong and very intentionally harsh and strong and had an element of stoicism to them Mm -hmm. and kind of embodied these kind of very masculine traits while being in a very obviously feminine presentation. I have a Victorian Madam Act. She Mm. is so severe. She Mm. barely smiles. And if she does, you need to run. Like, (laughs) and that's, but that's that character. And that Mm. character gave me a reputation off stage because it was so powerful on stage to Mm. see this domineering woman Mm. and this domineering woman shaming you and shunning you from the, from the stage while she strips and <laughs> making sure that you're playing with that dynamic mm-hmm. that it's like it, it's it's to me it's part of that characterization of uh claiming back things that are mm-hmm. typically not seen as feminine when they don't have a gender construct to them uh, at least in in my experience and in my observations and in my opinion mm-hmm. it, it's not like you're allowed to be angry, you're allowed to be sad, you're allowed to be emotional, mm-hmm. you're allowed to be a kind, you're like you're allowed to be all these things. Mm-hmm. It is not indicative of your definition of womanhood. Right. It is feminine in that you you identify as female. You know what I mean? Yeah, so if I'm to sort of share what I'm gathering and let me know if I'm totally off, is that like within your work, you're almost allowing, you're creating space for a woman to be anything within your characters. And it's such like, from my perspective as like an artist and like an an admirer is that like, that is so fucking beautiful to be able to walk up there with this, you know, exterior that society deems as something and then like kind of slap them in the face with something being like, and this can still exist at the same time. Um, So like, first of all, even if I'm off, like, I just appreciate that for myself, if that's my perception of your work is that like, to me that, uh, that showcases that as man, woman, any, any association, we can exist in all of these parts and that there's space for it. And that like, fuck yeah, you know, and you should, like, I don't understand the need to kind of, uh, it comes, it comes out of a fear and, and this desperately mm-hmm. for protection because you've had yes. a, an experience somewhere where it happened and it did not go in your favor. You're very wise. Uh, <laughs> I've been around, in, in my young 36 years, I've been around the block. I've seen and experienced some shit, yeah. both second and firsthand. Yeah. Um, but it, it's something that I think is, it's, an, it's something that is learned and then ingrained and then, and then enforced of what is and is not appropriate based on mm-hmm. your gender presentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when you are allowed and you should indulge at various points in your existence in all these diverse emotions and experiences and reactions um, and the idea that a section or several is not allowed Mm-hmm. is so dangerous and mm-hmm. so problematic mm-hmm. and so damaging mm-hmm. but it's the society that we live in and living mm-hmm. in a white supremacist patriarchal society that yeah. it's like you must fit into this little definition because our egos tell you that we need to define you and we need to know because yeah. if we don't know then it's chaos yeah Absolutely. Like the unknown that it's, it becomes scary for people where you're like, hold on a second, where's the space to be human? Like, what does it mean to be human? Like those are the conversations I want to be having is like, it's emotions. It's emotional. It's like experiencing things and being fearful and, and strong. And it's all, it's everything as a human. I think, 
I think people panic when they come to these little glimpses of the realization that the world is nothing but chaos. You yeah, yourself right? <laughs> are nothing but chaos. You as an individual. So I'm going to get a little like wooey spirit. I love it. Get Aquarian. it. I'm right there. Just embody chaos. Like if we are all stardust, you are all embodied chaos. And, mm -hmm. and, and it is your responsibility to be organized chaos, to understand how your particular chaos operates mm -hmm. and, and where, like, if we're going to go into some of the more like healing terms where your triggers are, what makes you mm -hmm. feel good, how to do that self-care, that's all very important. But put yourself in amongst the chaos of the rest of the world. You are just organized chaos mm -hmm. and you may not be able to predict what something, how something will affect you or what an actual need is if it's been suppressed. And I think yeah. while I do appreciate that you do need to be responsible for yourself, I think there's a real um, problem in a society that, that teaches both women and men. And this is something mm -hmm. that needs to be clarified as feminism is, is, is for both, misogyny affects both, yep. um, that your chaos still needs to be honored. The idea that you yes. can be pushed to do things that you didn't think possible of yourself, mm -hmm. if put in the right situation, is something that needs to be honored and you should be humbled by and mm -hmm. something you should appreciate. Right. On that, you should also appreciate the ability that some, and this is something I can speak very personally to, that when someone else is pushed, Mm -hmm. And someone else is pushed to their chaos that whatever they do when pushed is absolutely what's going to happen and, and should almost be expected. Mm. And especially in women, the idea that we're supposed to just take this and mm -hmm. supposed to just find a way to control and anything mm -hmm. out of control is some sort of moral or character failing. Mm -hmm. And I won't even get into the inclusiveness of where femininity needs to go with POCs because that is a whole mm -hmm. other conversation mm -hmm. that I'm not the one to be having and I'm happy to give the resources to the people that would love to talk mm -hmm. about it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> because that's a whole other job oh yes right Ooh. there <laughs> yeah got shivers like yep absolutely yeah mm -hmm. like holy shit but it's mm -hmm. something to consider that it's like you know any response is reasonable while this can be true in the same sentence. Every response is reasonable, but it is your responsibility to be reasonable with it, mm -hmm. whatever that means. And to me, that's mm -hmm. a very open-ended concept. So mm -hmm. both exist simultaneously. And I think people get very lost because again, it does feel chaotic. If you're not yes. willing and to yes. sit down and do the scary process of investigating it and questioning it and getting to know mm -hmm. it because you will learn some terrible things about yourself that you don't want to believe oh, true. Shadow but work. Hello. Well, that is what shadow work is. And those things aren't bad. And taking the polarization no. out of it, yeah. taking the binary out of it, demystifies mm -hmm. it. And then all of a sudden, management becomes much easier. <laughs> Oh, interesting. You're so eloquent with your words as you are on stage, but it's like, you know, to me, I, I, through this whole experience with the sex tape and me speaking about it and just behind the scenes experiencing it as well is like, I just remember at the very beginning and I still kind of feel this way, but I'm just more aware. And I, I understand how to take care of myself more now is like, I just remember at the beginning being like, there's no space for this. There's no space no. for me to be in pain. There's no space for me to crash. There's no space for me to yell. There's no, there's no space, you know? And also with like the dealing with the legal system, holy fuck. Holy shit. Up. Fucked oh, up, man. hey? It's so fucked up. Fucking wild. <laughs> I talk about it in an, another episode and I'm, I'm excited to release that soon because she, um, the person went through like restorative justice and, oh, actually people listening will probably have heard it. P.S. But that's fine. Um, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen. It's with Marley Lee, Marley Liss. Um, but it's like, anyways, my point being is that like, there's not a lot of space in society to exist in this chaos or to exist in, um, I don't even want to say something hard. Like we're getting better with mental health. We're understanding things like gender fluidity and emotions and just like how it's just being a fucking human. But I just remember feeling that. And I can still like, it's, I can still find it in my body where I still don't feel safe. I'm in a city that I grew up in. 
um, that I love in so many ways. And yet I feel like I went back a decade coming back to the city and I stick out like a sore thumb and I, I constantly get like vilified and like, if that's a word and like, um, like kind of like, um, focused on and like attacked sometimes. And I'm like, holy shit, like being in Toronto, you know, it still happens. Like it happens everywhere in the world, but like where I am, it's, I feel like I have no space. I'm leaving here soon. Yes. But like, but like, anyways, um, well, part of that is because you no longer fit into the proper paradigm of a good woman. And I, that's so, and this, this city is a decade behind. You're a good I'm not, woman. You're uh, a bad woman. Like, it's like, that. Yeah. It, it's, it becomes that black and white in terms of that perception. If you're not a good yeah. woman, you're a bad woman. Yeah. And the narrow margin in which you become a good woman or yeah. deemed a good woman is so unreasonable and so fucking tiny and so hypocritical that by a lot of standards, if you ever step out of that margin, you are a bad woman. And, and here, that makes yeah. no sense. And everyone here is living. I wouldn't, okay, this is going to, I'm generalizing and this city is amazing and it is, and there's diversity and there's things coming. It is just slower. It's, it's coming. So I don't want to bash the city. However, what I've noticed for myself being in a city like Toronto and LA and coming back to where I am, I'm like not saying where it is, but so funny, is like if you it when you when you latch and I've experienced this myself, when you latch into that good girl or that good man behavior, you want you want more of it because you're like holy shit. So you like I found myself sometimes doing things and I'm like what the fuck like this is so not who I am. What am I doing? And it was because I was trying to gain other people's approval or feel safe yeah. in the external environment, you know. And and the more that I do this work, this self-development work, this internal work dealing with things that are here and like embracing everything with like as much love and care and you know awareness as possible is like I'm like, "Oh no. I'm sorry. You didn't like that or you didn't agree with me." Well, looks like, well, maybe we just part ways here, you know, like, see you later. And and the irony, of course, is that your the goodness and the concept of being a good woman has nothing to do with your moral compass, your ethical code, your integrity, your kindness, your generosity, the way you give to others, the way you support communities. And again, that's part of that narrow margin of the definition Mm -hmm. of a good woman. I, I mean, I, I know what it's like to be vilified. I know very well what it's like to be vilified and for people to make you the villain because you are the easy target mm-hmm. for being outspoken for just even, even, even saying you wish to question the mold. Exactly. Um, and it's, and it's one of those things that is just like, <laughs> again, I question them back or I'm like, what makes me bad about it? I work within my integrity. I work within my code of ethics. I, I work with a lot of compassion. I've got a big heart. I know a, a lot of people might argue it, but I got a big heart and I got a lot of big feelings, a lot of big emotions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's like, if, if, if how you're doing it works within your integrity, mm-hmm. um, works within a code of ethics, and especially isn't hurting anyone, then you are good. But some people have the perception because they have their own skewed idea of what it is. And yeah. part of that is an ego control. It's how they control the world while mm-hmm. not being able to control the world. Mm-hmm. It's how we get things like victim blaming. It's how we get mm-hmm. stuff like anything else that goes through misogyny and patriarchy. Mm-hmm. It's to keep you in that mold because we want to convince you that that's, that's how you win. We're never getting a manual, but that's how you win. It's if you do this one little thing. And the reason why bad things happen is because you didn't do that thing. Exactly. And so that means you're bad. Woo. And yeah, how chaos <laughs> we are chaos inside and out that's not how anything works <laughs> yeah. it's also like and I understand from their perspective too it threatens people's safety oh, right yes. it threatens their version of how they feel safe and a lot of people safety can mean so many things it can mean anything and yet like I've noticed when I speak up I'm like oh I'm threatening their sense of safety which is why they're reacting that way or trying to attack me and I'm like okay yes hold space for you. And also like, not going to converse right now. I need to protect myself as well. Maybe we'll touch on this later, or maybe we just won't, you know? So it is far easier for those people to look at you and think you're the problem uh-huh. than to ask themselves if maybe they're the problem. <laughs> and that's not to say if they're the problem, they're bad people. It's just, yeah. like, you know, it, we just need to take more responsibility that, for ourselves yeah. in this world and, and hold space for ourselves to be able to hold space for others to be able to exist in all of who we are and, you know, and be whoever we need to be and who we, who we feel, you know? And part of that questioning of self is questioning things like it's starting to talk about, uh, especially around restorative justice and how we're going to create better communities and how we're mm-hmm. going to create more 
um, equity and equality in a, in a lot of different systems and in a lot of different industries is being able to sit there and ask about your biases, about your expectations, about where your fears lie and how you come up with certain narratives. Again, this is all ego. Like it is ego. And ego is very important because mm -hmm. some of those narratives are important to your sense Absolutely. of self, to your confidence, to how you make decisions. Yeah. But some of it becomes detrimental if it becomes too uh, narrow-minded or absolute or utterly mm -hmm. inflexible especially as you get older, have new experiences, meet new people, uh, and just find yourself in new environments, then you have to be adaptive. And I think out of fear of the unknown, there's a lot of people that aren't adaptive. Mm -hmm. And part of that is from formative experience. Part of that is from formative experience, the culture you were raised in, the family dynamic you were raised in, mm -hmm. uh, maybe even incidental formative experiences, you know, those core memories <laughs> yes, <laughs> that absolutely. we all have. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and if you're not willing to question and kind of sit mm -hmm. with yourself both in the present and in the time period that happened and to kind of um, kind of consolidate all that information, then you end up kind of stuck in these very mm. narrow ideals. And because it's harder to look at yourself with them, it's way easier and way yeah. more efficient and feels better to just put it on someone else. Absolutely. You're the problem. This mm -hmm. is why it doesn't work because you're the issue. Blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah. And, and so it's, and then if you have any kind of self-awareness or if you're doing that healing discovery, mm -hmm. bumping up against that is hard. <laughs> it's a lot. It can be a lot sometimes. It's a I lot. Think your own path of healing and where you are. And yeah, it's a, uh, I mean, you and I were speaking about this before we latched on that it's like, it's a big responsibility. I think anyone doing the work understands how <clears throat> it really does take a lot of internal um, responsibility really for your own feelings and actions. And then having the ability to then hold space for others and, and care for others. And I, you know, I read an untethered soul, like maybe a year ago now or six months ago or something. And for me, what's coming up in this conversation right now is like, it, it, it takes work to keep opening your heart after, um, after pain, after someone comes to you with their pain and projects it on you. It takes like, it's a constant massage of open your heart, open your heart, open your heart. And I actually don't even know where I'm going with this conversation necessarily, but it's just like, oh, I could get emotional. That's just for me, something I wish we could all continue to understand and recognize is that we're, there's so much pain that's happened to all of us. And there's, you know, we're all operating from this place of fear and in love is where, um, you know, we can hold space for the pain, for the good, for the bad, for someone else's reaction, for your own, re for your own reaction and be like, mm -hmm. oh, shit. like mm, that was, you know, we're going to step in. It's, it's just, that's, what's coming up right now is the heart. And like, and there's so much more to it. It's much more complex than just one aspect. Um, but it's really making me feel tender what we're talking about right now. Well, what you're describing about is building true resiliency, because that's what resiliency is. Resiliency isn't just being to uh, weather a hard time or stiff up her lip through some sort of trial. The resilient mm -hmm. resiliency actually comes from being able to integrate those experiences and those emotions in, in a very cohesive way into your being while not letting it jade you, mm -hmm. while letting it to inform you so that you can make better decisions and so that you can kind of self-manage and self-regulate a little properly. Mm -hmm. But it also doesn't taint you in a way where you shut yourself off and you never speak to anyone again right. and you never take risks and you and you sit there and you put it, everyone else is the problem. Like that's yeah. that true resiliency is being able to incorporate those experiences. And part of that, I'm sure, as you know, as you've been going through your own journey, part of building that resiliency is having the bravery to actually feel all those big emotions. Yes, yes. It's yeah. massive because those emotions, the way they attack your nervous system, because they're massive, and we <laughs> scientifically don't know much about emotions and right? their, what they do and, and why they're there. And as sentient beings, what the fuck? Like, it's like, so mm -hmm. they, they attack your nervous system. It becomes fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Like, it just like, and then all of a sudden you have this electricity through your body and nowhere to put it and you don't know what to do with it. And that even in itself is a process of learning how to feel them, feel that electricity, and then knowing where to put that power exactly. in a way that's going to be productive or whether you learn how to absorb it so it kind of diffuses. And I think that's a hard process for a lot of people because, yeah, it's 
terrifying. I don't want to mystify anything. It is yeah. fucking terrifying. It's hard sometimes. It is yeah. so uncomfortable. Yeah. It, yeah. Sometimes it makes you a bad person. <laughs> yeah. Now you're screaming and crying and you know what fucking shoppers drug fired. Everyone's like, what's wrong with you? And you're like, listen, <laughs> I'm going through some things. Like it's just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you know, so, uh, that's something I honor about being an artist is, I don't know if, I don't know if you get this from others, but this is something, a conversation that happens to me regularly is like, wow, Rebecca, like you really just like either honor your feelings or wow, you can go through a lot of emotions and wow, you don't care where you are. You just start bawling and screaming and like, wow. And I'm like, oh, that's, I guess, I don't know if that's trained as an artist and also doing self-development work is truly trying, not trying. I am truly honoring what's here. And in honoring what's here is where healing happens. We're honoring what's actually going on and having a supportive community and group of people around you to hold that is very important as well, because then you can sit there in that moment with whoever you're with and be like, this isn't fucking personal to you right now. I'm fucking activated. I'm really angry. I'm all and like, and then you're like, Oh shit. Wow. Thank you for hearing me. Holy shit. I feel amazing. Like, and to me in honoring, you know, bringing this all together in my mind right now, is like in honoring who you truly are, whatever you define or don't define or allow yourself to be or whatever you are. And like honoring who you are in every moment is where healing happens, is where growth, is where power happens, is where presence happens, is where life happens. Like life yes. is this, this, be- and I don't know how I, to be honest, I don't know how I feel about the word chaos, but I totally get what you're saying. And, and yes, it is chaos. Like, absolutely. It's um, chaos. <laughs> my, my soul is trying to seek the opposite, I think, right now. So I'm like, oh, but anyways, it's like life is that. That is the beauty. And who we are in every single moment in any state is like, that's love. That's special. That's who you are. That's freedom. That's like expansion. Yeah. That's life. Like, to me, the more that I do this work, I'm like, what have I been doing? What are we doing? Like, do people not feel that we're not living? Like, you know what I mean? Like, this welcome is to life. the past 15 years of my life. You're extremely wise. Everyone told like, me I can't that even I was the crazy one. I'm like, I don't think y'all get it. Like, it's like, <laughs> okay. And you're on the number of times I had to talk to myself because again, if the world is chaos, yeah. other people are chaos, other yeah. people are their own forms of chaos, which yeah. means you can't control anyone and you probably shouldn't try. Like, so anytime I got that kind of like, you're the one who's crazy. I have to, I have to do a lot of self-talk to myself to go. It's not your job to convince them. It's not your job to teach them. It's their job of their own volition and their own time to discover what you already know. Mm. And that is the most frustrating thing I've ever gone Mm. through in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And I go through it, if not weekly, then on the daily where I have to remind myself that it's like, that's their journey. And you get, because I think we all want control. I think we all want to feel secure and safe. And part of that is being able to control and plan and predict, which is totally fair. Uh, But you do meet those frustrations when you hit the stuff that you know and should know you can't control. You can't control other people. Can you influence them with your own actions and with your own Mm -hmm. emotions? Sure. But inevitably, they have their own free will. Mm -hmm. And at some point, you have to let it go. And that's where it makes it easier to deal with people who vilify you. And like, Mm -hmm. you just have to appreciate, like, this is how I've coped with everything in my life. Mm -hmm. I dig deep down to my empathy. And I go, if I I were doing that, what kind of person would I be? And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, I feel and most of the time, it's a deep, guttural, fear and it's so deep down there it's so that like all of a sudden my compassion kicks and I go I get it yep wow okay this actually has nothing to do with me it has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with like this is all the factors and the world is terrifying and you know what it's like to have a terrifying world so just let them go (laughs) honestly I can't even tell you you know I, I, I definitely wasn't in the state I was in when we were hanging around each other or in the same community. Um, and I always had this feeling of like looking at you like, wow, because, because of your confidence and because of how you dealt with things. And I'm even when you speaking about that right now, I can go back to times where I can see you physically finding (laughs) that empathy. And I'm like, holy crap, like uh, this is like, you know, you are extremely wise and, and like, thank you for existing and existing and thank you for sharing this and stepping into this because I'm newer to this, I would say I'm 
you know, and it's always been here. It's all, it's, it's within all of us. Um, even if we don't necessarily, everyone is capable of this, every single person, but it's, it is, it's really scary. And like, I could even cry right now, just like that. It's, it's, you know, to sympathize with everyone in this moment for a second is it's like, what, what Knox is practicing and has been practicing and what I'm stepping into and, and I'm practicing, I give myself some credit here is that like, it is extremely, yeah, it's, it's terrifying. It's hard. It's beautiful. It's exhilarating. It's, it's the freedom. It's all of that. And so like, thank you, Knox, seriously, because, um, only now am I starting to really fully understand. I always knew there was always a part of me that felt like sort of connected with who you were, um, as a soul in a soul capacity. Right. And like, just trying to witness and feel things. And I'm like, Oh, and I think that's why I reached out to you now is because I think I'm going, Oh, Oh, you know, and I'm practicing that more and damn, like, fuck. Yeah. And it's a constant practice. And one of the things that that keeps me in in a practice is that there's always a new nuance to understand and there's always a new kind Mm -hmm. of a way to look at things and dissect Mm -hmm. things there's always a new perspective there's there's so many new details to kind of uncover and it's part of why I'm I'm driven as an artist and why I'm driven to Mm -hmm. to dance and acting and creating so many characters and creating the way I create Mm -hmm. is because I think it's important to showcase just the possibilities like mm-hmm. it's like there, there's it's a reason why I love fantasy and creating creating things that aren't necessarily biographical or or littered in factual events that have happened in truth inspired mm-hmm. by but not right. solidly grounded in mm-hmm. um because I I like exploring just the possibility and what happens if we put this dynamic here and this here mm-hmm. and then what happens mm-hmm. to whatever heart that you put in that situation to see because it, it changes and it's it's vastly different and even why I, I will always have a love for live theater even show to show with your performer yes. it'll be different based on where they are yeah. you know and and you and it's those little nuances that like it, it make it exciting it make it compelling mm-hmm. it make it fascinating and that's what makes it very human because that is the human experience mm-hmm. it is chaos it is inconsistent there are so many variables to navigate it is never the same twice Mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. and so being able to hold that appreciate that and I know for me be romanced by it mm. I'm such an emotion junkie which I know is is contrary to how I think a lot of people see me as someone who's very good at putting on the veneer <laughs> and putting on a professional veneer because that's what's called for those environments is mm-hmm. it's for me to go and we're down to business and mm-hmm. we're not bringing our personal shit like we're mm-hmm. keeping ourselves checked but me as a person and me as my artistry is is this is this big open space <laughs> and I've actually had to learn over the past couple of years. It's part of why I'm terrifying to most people. <laughs> That's a oh lot. Like, it's like, I've had to go through a bit of a humbling process going, yeah, you're a lot. <laughs> but oh, also, I mean, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yes. <laughs> I don't even see you as a lot. I just see you as expressive and real and curious and bountiful and beautiful. Like I, I, you know, that, that is a narrative that we take into our lives is that we're too much or we're too this. And I don't know for me, and I, I don't know if you need to hear this from anyone is like, there's so much space for you here within my soul and heart. And like, also like, let's like, first of all, shine. And also like, I'm coming with you. Okay. So let's shine. <laughs> like we're going to shine. Well, and we circling gonna back, <laughs> circling back to the point of all of this, that <laughs> is what's defined as feminine is that muchness mm-hmm. is that emotionality Absolutely. is that space Absolutely. you know and it's a great capacity for emotionality and love and acceptance mm-hmm. but it also means it's a great capacity for love mm-hmm. and rage and anger and mm-hmm. sorrow and that is strictly put in the realm of feminine and even then its definition is so disturbingly structured and so if you meet anything or outside of that structure like it's already shamed in it's in its realm of being feminine mm-hmm. but then even if you break out of its structure of what's appropriate in that femininity you're in trouble <laughs> well also I want to I want to bring in another side here is where where I'm living right now is what I'm noticing is because of this and and to go on to another side of what I've noticed is that 
I'm just witnessing a lot of men, like I'm still single. So I've been dating and there's someone that's been in and out of my life many times. We just have a special connection that we haven't figured out yet or might not ever, whatever. Um, is that like, um, I'm noticing that this one specific person, um, and this is just my notice. This is my perception. This might not be what he's going through. Um, is that like, there's no space for him to feel love. There's no space for him to feel anything and it breaks my heart and then I start to witness really and feminine and too womanly and too women too feel much, men emotional. but that but the men are are, <laughs> are like like I'm just how do I say this I'm clearly struggling with this is that like there's no space for them to be human because of this as well and it's it's blowing my mind this this construct of feminine masculine in that like I could cry like where I just feel awful like you don't even feel that you can exist as an emotional human being or you're being told you're too overly emotional as a woman or like oh my gosh everybody like hold on a second here stop put on the brake stop like what is going on here and how can well, we allow everyone to feel just being a human and like, love. well, that's where misogyny hurts everybody. Misogyny exactly. hurts everybody. And it's because you've put it's be, so the way misogyny works, the way the patriarchy and misogyny work is that it works in a binary. There's male and female. There's right. the masculine and the feminine. Which people that don't talk, talk, are like, where am I fitting in? You're like, exactly. Well, that's a whole, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. That's a whole other topic of conversation is yeah. not very in trans and where they fit in that. Right. Um, love but there the is also, right. Yes. Just want to stay. Oh yeah. Yes. Vive la revolution. Like keep going. Uh, <laughs> so even, even within patriarchy, there's a masculine and there's a feminine. But even then, it's not just the existence of these two. Oh, we froze. Ooh. Things. There's feminine. So it is the close. Oh, you froze too. Ha, yeah. Correct masculine and there's a correct feminine, which means that if you're going to work within the system. This is this is the like fake handbook that we've been mm -hmm. given. Like I, I think of it almost like religious propaganda, where it's like uh -huh. if you just uh -huh. do this and you read this scripture, you will go to heaven. Your salvation uh -huh. is is guaranteed. Uh -huh. Here's our stamp of approval guaranteed. And that's what I see misogyny and, and patriarchy as. Correct masculinity, correct femininity, uh -huh. and these very narrow binaries and these very narrow structures uh -huh. that deny the human experience because it's uh -huh. strictly uh, operational. That's it. Mm -hmm. And then the enforcement of those things, because it's the correct way to live, because you're scared of the unknown that there might be other ways and you might fuck up. And you will. That's what, <laughs> And you will fuck up. Like, I hate to break it to you that even if you stick in those binaries, and you're going you to fuck up, fuck up. <laughs> especially if you decide to ever question those binaries mm. and you question those paradigms. And part of my criticism around misogyny, too, is like the men, it's kind of expected because, I'm again, it's, it's everything about it's literally the masculine. It is the patriarchy. It is male dominated. Okay. It is um, male superiority. That's but it's where I have a lot of criticism of women who are misogynist and women who fit within that patriarchal structure because yeah. it's way more insidious because you think that as a woman, you'd understand what what that kind of oppression looks like. But the thing is, is that when you grow up in that society and you're raised in those environment and it's deemed as your normal through a very painful trial and error of you wanting to be authentic and being told that it's wrong, uh, you start self-policing and you start policing others as a mm -hmm. form of safety and protection. Mm -hmm. And it's so unconscious most of the time that they don't even know they're doing it. And I genuinely believe in my experience, they do and are trying to have your best interest at heart. Yes. Yeah. But that's not the case. Are you frozen? Or are you just entranced? Well, in entranced. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I've never had it freeze, but that's okay. We're we're doing great. You're frozen in a really cool position, and I like it. But I can hear you. Oh, maybe I can't hear you now. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Okay, where did I leave off? <laughs> um, in this position, that's where I was at. My 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 mind went visual, but um, no, it's. Hold on, give me a sec, because it was like, oh, it was the, that women, you know, we have these good intentions, we want to sort of evoke safety, and yet that is, that's perpetuating this narrative, this conversation, these actions. Feeling of, of, of fear and preservation based off your own personal experiences in a way that's so subconscious that now you, now 
you're the one oppressed, but you're also the one policing. Mm -hmm. And you see this in any kind of systematic oppression. Like you, you see it in homophobia, you see it in racism, you see it in, you see it in patriarchy and misogyny is, is the idea that even those in the oppressed mm. um, can, can be also oppressors. So they, they are the best policemen of mm. those oppressions because they are representative of the oppressed group telling you what's correct. Mm -hmm. And that's my biggest criticism in a lot of women I've interact with where I'm like, I don't care who you are. The second you try to tell me what to do or try to define my actions as masculine and feminine, you're a misogynist. Yes. Ooh, and especially that. if you decide yeah. to like take action or say something about it, right. you can have your opinions. It's your journey. It's your unpacking. But the second you're trying to affect me with it, you're a misogynist. Ooh, I love that. And like, even myself, you know, who's someone who believes in, oh, well, I am conscious and I'm working to be conscious every day because it's a lifetime commitment is even the, how we started this conversation. I was trying to define myself. I was, yep. and that was my own, I was trying to understand myself. I was trying to heal, you know, and, and yet I was having misogynistic thoughts and tendencies and it's hard not to. And so also, you know, in this conversation and also on stage with what you do and who you are is like, you are creating space for these conversations to happen. So thank you. You are creating space for us to just exist in who we are and feel a sense of safety within ourselves to explore all of these aspects of misogyny, of who we are, of masculine, feminine, of being any gender, of having just a colorful range of emotions as a human, you know? So I appreciate you so much for this conversation and I knew it was going to be a golden <laughs> and, and also there's so much more to say but I I, I want to sort of gather us into closing mode but no pressure if we want to continue talking to sure <laughs> um, um just thinking of timeline and stuff and you're respecting your time but it's also it's just like I am sitting here just in gratitude for this conversation in that um there's so much space created by yourself by people that are also similar to you. And it's, it's hard work and it's um, a lot in a society that still is, you know, maybe awkward and trying to either catch up or whatever. Like there's so much shit happening in so many aspects of life right now that we can see these shifts happening. They're slow, they're steady. They're, some of them are extreme. And yet like, thank you, because I feel better about existing as a full range of a human. So and through well, your and, and and remember that it takes a lot of self compassion in order to go through that discovery mm -hmm. because when you've been when you've been stuck in water for so long mm -hmm. when you've been stuck underwater for so long how do you ever know that sky exists mm -hmm. like you know so it's it's there's a compassion around that like you don't know what you don't know totally and and part of it is sometimes people coming at you with a new perspective and telling you that there's sky mm -hmm. and then sometimes part of that is having the bravery to start swimming up. Mm -hmm. and seeing it for yourself and then allowing yourself to be overwhelmed with seeing it by yourself and like what does that mean mm -hmm. so there's a there is a lot to navigate and I think because of the because we were put in a global timeout for almost two years <laughs> <Time out. laughs> like we've been very bad and so we were put in a global timeout and so I think that's what's been happening for some people is is mm -hmm. is now you've had to you've been forced to sit and think about it because you had nothing else to do <laughs> and, and that's what's been interesting to watch as people are coming to some of these conclusions yes. and asking questions I know I've asked most of my life of like mm -hmm. is this the only way mm -hmm. or does this have to be the way are there other ways of things operating are there other ways to do things it's how innovation is made. It's simply just ask someone asking whether or not they do anything is irrelevant, but just asking, is there another way? Is this the most efficient way? Is this the mm -hmm. only way? And then just going through the process of discovery to discover whether or not it is. Mm -hmm. And that's just, again, it's how innovation, it's how evolution, yeah. it's how progress actually happens. Yes. It's just asking the question, is this it? Yeah. And what does it mean to you and how does it feel? And so thank you for asking those questions. And also for the viewers here, as we're closing up is like, you know, your intuition for me, looking back when I was drowning really, or like not yeah. drowning, but like swimming in like this world that I was like, huh? my intuition, there was always a part of me, a feeling, a light or something that was like the question, ask more do more and it leads you up into the surface. So I'm like, I'm, I'm just inviting the listeners here to 
just sit with themselves for a second and just ask themselves what they need. Um, is there something they want to ask? Is there someone they want to reach out to? Like, what is it in this moment that you feel that you need? And can you step into your own intuitive calling, which usually brings us together to this space of curiosity, compassion, and, and change or whatever, whatever needs to happen. So just kind of inviting the listeners to do that. And do you have anything to like close off this sort of conversation if you had anything to? I mean, all of this and everything, every system you're questioning, every experience you're questioning, the biggest advice I can give is be brave in following your curiosity Mm. and be brave in following your curiosity to the unknown. Mm. Even if there is, from your perspective, a foreshadowing of failure, it's not a failure. It's new information. And sometimes that's how you gather information is by seeing what doesn't work. (laughs) It's not a failure if it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Now, what can you mine from that information? I've been I've been starting to explain to people that the way I've always approached my life was as some some grand laboratory experiment. You know, Mm -hmm. you come into it with a hypothesis. You come into it like, I think this is going to happen. I think this is how things operate. And then you go into the lab. And you start putting together and doing that alchemy mm. and trying to make it work. And you have an idea of how it's going to go. And you could be way off base. And by the time, sometimes you get halfway through the experiment, you look at it and you go, oh, this is going to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, but the fact is, is that you got so far to go that, oh, this is going to be bad. Okay, that's cool. Now, why is it going to be bad? What's mm-hmm. going to happen based on what's in front of you? Mm-hmm. And what do you have the power to change with it? Okay, now we get to go back to the drawing board redraw the hypothesis, reassess some of the variables, reassess some of the resources and try again Mm -hmm. and see what happens. And sometimes you get that like weird moderate success where it's like, well, it didn't fail, (laughs) but it's not quite (laughs) what I want. And then you have to go through the details of that, bring that back to the drawing board and kind of figure Mm -hmm. out what that looks like and then incorporate those. And it's the more you treat life and your experiences and and your growth and and where you want to go in life as some grand uh, overfunded experiment, the easier some of this stuff comes at you, the more adaptable you become and the more resilient you become and the less you feel kind of like swayed when you come across challenges like that's Mm -hmm. that's the way it goes and that's not to say you can't have your feelings about it I can tell you how many times I've looked at my failed experiment and just sat there and cried about it Mm -hmm. sometimes that's just what needs to happen yes but don't sit there just crying about it yeah after a while you gotta like okay we did that we had our feelings now let's get back up (laughs) and try it again yeah (laughs) finding that balance that's that's just it (laughs) and that's that's life as we exist you know that's life as we exist (laughs) well thank you so much Knox and again you can check Knox out at k-k-n-o-x-h-a-r-t-e-r on Instagram and I'm sure from there you can find more information and all of the links and all of the greatness to who a lovely Knox is Yay. thank you so much for having me I love talking about this show. oh god I'm like excited I'm like can we just keep going but we'll bring us on for another episode should it come up and I'm thankful and so yay thanks so much thank you so much for listening for more information and to sign up for email updates please visit my website rebeccareinhardt.com that is R-E-B-E-C-C-A-R-E-I-N-H-A-R-T dot com. And you can also visit me on Instagram. I like to talk to people there. It's at Rebecca Reinhardt, same spelling. And with all of that, we'll see you soon.